gentlemen, to week three. We have your start sits here for the NFC. Stompy here. You can find me at FF Stompy. I'm joined by James, James Catullus or James the Brain, as he's known in the community at underscore James the Brain. How's it going today, James? Man, it's going good. I'm looking forward to doing some start sits here. Uh, I think you nailed it last week with a lot of your start sits. So I got to try to keep pace, man. This is going to be tough. You know, I don't feel overly confident in a lot of the things I do, but start sits for some reason just comes naturally to me. I hit a 70% rate on my or 70% hit rate on my article last week. So I feel pretty good about that. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell just because uh, the starts that you gave out, man, last week were, were really good here. So yeah, that doesn't shock me at all that uh, that you had that high of a hit rate, but that's, that's something to, to live up to, man. So, so we gotta, we gotta follow that up strong. All right. So before we get started in uh, on today's start sits for the NFC, I want to introduce you to one of DLF's podcasts or the D- on the DLF family of podcasts, and that is the DLF Dynasty podcast. I believe one of the longest, or no, it is the longest running weekly Dynasty fantasy football podcast in the industry. As they analyze the game of Dynasty football with veteran hosts Dan Mailer, Matt Price, and Ryan McDowell. Seasoned professionals who know how to win and don't take themselves too seriously. The DLF Dynasty podcast team will keep you informed and entertained all year long. So you can find them, like I said, on the DLF family of podcasts. Subscribe on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And just get awesome, fantastic information. They are three of the best in the business. Also, before we get started, we need to talk about injuries. So we're going to go over, go ahead and throw it over to Ethan to talk about this week's injuries and how they may impact your uh, your lineups this week. Yeah, I'm going to join Ethan um, and, and do that uh, right quick, Stompy. So if you don't mind, Ethan and I will go ahead and cover some of the injuries here. I'm going to welcome in Ethan. Ethan, uh, we're going to go over some of the injuries that we're covering for this, uh, this slate of games here. So I'm going to throw it to you. First off, we got Big Ben. Um, obviously that elbow injury, how significant is that? What do we got going on with Big Ben here? Yeah, so I think pretty much everyone has heard at this point that Ben is going to have surgery on that elbow, that he's heading to the IR, that he is not going to play this year. Uh, The team came out and said that it is not Tommy John's surgery, which would be for a torn UCL in the elbow. That doesn't mean that they're not going to be dealing with the UCL, which kind of it's the ligament that runs on the inside of his elbow. It's the one that he kind of grabbed at. It's very important for throwing athletes. So a lot of times you see this more commonly in in baseball players, but apparently he is not having a Tommy John surgery, but it doesn't really matter because he's going to be out for the year. So Mason Rudolph, it's his time to shine. Uh, We'll see if he can get get it done. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, all eyes will be on Mason Rudolph and kind of, kind of what happens there. But um so what, let's go to the next quarterback because we, we got a bunch of quarterback injuries. And, and let's go to Drew Brees. Obviously, the thumb um, we heard that he had surgery on. How significant is that? And what can we expect um, as far as the timeline for Drew Brees goes? So Brees actually also has a UCL injury. Um, for whatever reason, our medical professionals that started naming things in our body, they got a little lazy when it came to the the hand and elbow. A lot of things that you have a lot of uh, similar names of things, even though it's two different parts of the body, it's still called basically the same thing. So it's an ulnar collateral ligament in the thumb. So it's just, uh, it's on the inside of your thumb, kind of in the web space between your thumb and your pointer finger. And basically there is a ligament that keeps your thumb from going out. This is also called a skier's thumb. So if you think of like how you hold ski poles, it's the ligament that commonly gets uh, injured when you're skiing. So uh, basically what happened was breeze threw his hand forward and the thumb caught and the rest of his hand kept going. So he um, tore the, the inner ligament that UCL. Uh, he had surgery on Wednesday. The average return to play is about six to eight weeks. But with a quarterback and it being on his throwing hand, I think we could look at an even longer recovery. Uh, the team has a week nine bye. So I'd say the earliest we're looking at Breeze returning is around the week 10 mark, which would put him right at eight weeks. Uh, so I think that timeline makes a lot of sense. Uh, that would be the earliest that we could see him. It's very possible. They say they're not putting him in the IR. So that means they're pretty confident that he's going to come back. But I just don't see any I don't see any reason for them to push him to come back before week 10. 
Yeah, that's interesting. The news we heard after the surgery was that the surgery went splendid and that Breeze is on pace for six weeks. But you're saying that that that's that's pretty conservative, that we can expect a little bit longer, you think, uh, for Breeze to sit out. Yeah, I mean, it's always there's always a chance he comes back sooner, but just just by the nature of the surgery, where it's at, he's going to be immobilized for at least the first four. I just don't know if they're going to uh, feel confident in him rushing him back, uh, especially because it's his throwing hand. If it wasn't his throwing hand, he obviously he, this wouldn't be as big of a deal. Um, but because he is a quarterback, he has to be able to grip the ball to throw the ball. Um, just don't see any way you can grip a football without putting a lot of pressure on that uh, on that repair. So uh, we'll see. Um, I've been wrong before, but uh, typically, typically I would say the eight weeks is the more. Uh, I just don't see any reason. It just doesn't make any sense to me personally on why they would rush him to be back in six weeks unless they're playing super well. Yeah. Okay. Even so that- if they're playing super well, they're not going to rush him back. They'd actually have to be playing poorly. Yeah, play, playing poorly, but decent enough to be kind of in the playoff mix still, right? Something like that. But, but boy, that that still seems like um, like they may be rushing things there. So that's that's interesting. Let's get to another quarterback here. What about Cam Newton? We all watched him. Uh, you know, last last Thursday we watched Cam Newton, and it, it just it didn't seem right, Ethan. And you had you had already kind of told us a little bit about uh, what was going on with Cam. So what did you see, and what can we expect as far as Cam's injury goes? Yeah, I mean, Cam really looked bad last week. I think that with him, uh, it doesn't seem like he has the swagger right now, and I don't know if that's because he isn't really rushing the ball at all. I think he had one or two rushes last week, three rushes in the first game, so he's got about five rushes over two weeks. The guy averages seven and a half rushes a game over his career, so obviously he's not running the ball like he normally would. He had a foot sprain earlier in the preseason, and we kind of joked on the uh, the hundredth episode that maybe he was just kind of taking the preseason off and he didn't really have a foot sprain. But I, I think it's pretty obvious now that he is dealing with a foot injury. Uh, this is a re-injury of that preseason foot strain. Again, the first couple of weeks you come back, those are when you're more likely to injure yourself again when you're talking about strains and sprains. So. It's not surprising from a timeline perspective that as soon as he came back, he ended up having a setback here. So he's not practicing this week. It doesn't look like he's going to suit up. That leaves us with Kyle Allen. I'm not really excited about that as a fantasy owner. Um, I think he's definitely going to miss this week. Uh, and and this is really just one of those things that we're going to have to keep checking up on him every week to see if it, if he is practicing and is if it's actually improving. I think that they've learned their lesson. Uh, from the preseason to now that that really they 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 need to give him more time so i would not be surprised if he misses a couple more weeks after this week wow okay so interesting news there with cam let's let's move along here to one that's that personally hurts me a little bit because i have high ownership of this player and this is a guy who i really really enjoy watching and that is michael gallup uh, michael gallup for the dallas cowboys obviously we we heard he was getting an mri on his knee, how significant is his injury and what can we expect moving forward um, as far as the timeline? And will he come back 100 percent or is this something that might stick with him uh, throughout the course of the year? So Gallup did end up uh, having surgery. They basically went in and clipped part of his meniscus. He had a meniscus tear. Uh, it was in a part that won't heal on its own. So basically all they did was they went in and they they cut off the they basically finished the tear. And, and took the chunk out that uh, I shouldn't say chunk. It was probably a very small portion of his meniscus. Um, the timeline that they've given is two to four weeks. I think this is one of those ones that two, three weeks is, is probably all it's going to take if it was a small tear um, and they didn't, they didn't repair it. So you, when you hear that they repaired the meniscus, that's when you expect that four to six week timeline when they just cut it out. Really, it's not. Uh, once you get rid of the irritation, it doesn't really uh, cause you much issue after that. So a couple weeks, maybe two, three, and Gallup should be back, and he should be playing at a, a relatively uh, close to what he was playing at uh, before the injury. Wow. Okay. So some bright news on that one. That one might not be as long as uh, as we were kind of expecting, especially when we first heard that. So let's, let's go to the Miami Dolphins. And obviously this is a train wreck, but they could use some more weapons on the outside, especially with Josh Rosen starting. 
Albert Wilson's been MIA. What's going on with Albert Wilson? Are we going to get him back anytime soon? What's the injury look like? And how significant is it um, when he does come back? Is he, is he going to be a hundred percent or is this going to be one that lingers for him? Wilson's dealing with a calf strain and I've, uh, it's already kept him out last week. Um, I don't really expect him to suit up this week. It doesn't look like he's practicing. It doesn't look like he's really even getting close to, to playing again um, anytime super soon, at least not this week. Uh, the team is playing so poorly that it's really going to probably take a trade this year for Wilson to get uh, fantasy relevant. Hopefully Rosen can boost this offense somewhat. Um, I know I'm a guy that has a lot of Kenyon Drake, so I would love for them to just stop playing around with Kalen Balazs and just let Drake uh, take the workload like he did in years past. But uh, to me, Wilson Wilson with this calf strain, this is, again, one of those things, strains and sprains, man, they don't tend to go away quickly. So you really have to uh, keep an eye on Wilson, and I wouldn't be starting him as soon as he comes back because there's a high chance, especially in a guy a guy like him that uses a lot of fast twitch, uh, explosive movements to end up straining this and and having it kind of repeat throughout the season. So uh, not ideal for a guy that relies on speed to win. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe taking a wait and see approach, even after Albert Wilson does come back might be the best alternative. And like you said, that offense, it, they're not good um, for him to be fantasy relevant. Um, the good thing about him is that normally the good thing is that it only takes one play to make his day, but uh, if he's going to be dealing with some issues, you know, with his calf and his speed might not be all there. Um, that's definitely concerning for a player of his caliber. So um, let's move on now. We got Traquan Smith and, uh, you know, obviously with everything going on in New Orleans, they can use all the weapons being healthy that they can get. Uh, what's going on with Traquan Smith? Can we expect him to play this week? Traquan's dealing with an ankle sprain. Uh, he has not been practicing from the latest reports that I've seen. Uh, I don't expect him to play. Uh, he missed, he missed, he basically went into the locker room and then like never came back out after the last game when he sprained this ankle. So I think we're dealing with a, a, a moderate to severe ankle sprain. We haven't gotten much news on it. They've been pretty tight lip, but they've had a lot of other injury things to talk about. So I don't think anyone's really asking about Traquan right this minute, which is why I can't seem to find much as far as information. Uh, again, but I know he's not practicing. I, I don't actually expect him to play this week. Uh, hopefully we get a little bit more on this as the week goes on. But for right now, I'm going to, I'm going to say that I don't expect him to play. Okay. So that's interesting. So, so Traquan is probably out for this game, um, trending in the wrong direction. Another guy that's, that's really interesting is Josh Jacobs. We, uh, we got a, uh, a Twitter post, something about him losing 10 pounds, um, over this past week with, with an illness. So tell, tell me what's, what's going on with Josh Jacobs? What is this illness and can we expect him to play or, and if we do, you know, is he going to be effective? What, what's going on with Josh Jacobs here? Jacobs is dealing with a couple, a couple things right now. He's got a mild groin strain, which, which caused him to miss some time in that last game and compliant combined with uh, some type of illness. I'm, I'm assuming it's the flu uh, reportedly caused him to lose 10 pounds. Like you said, uh, that is not ideal, but a, a guy like this can put 10 pounds on in a, a couple of days if given the right time. Uh, but it does speak to the seriousness of he uh, this illness. So this is not your typical, uh, the guy's not feeling very well on Wednesday, but by, by Friday he feels pretty good. Uh, this, is, this sounds like a pretty serious illness that he's uh, dealing with. So I think, I think if we get some good news uh, that he should play, but I'm really not expecting big things. I think anytime you deal with an illness, anybody that's ever been sick, that's just lost a lot of weight because they couldn't eat, they couldn't get fluids in. Uh, they just, they, they will tell you that they don't tend to feel very great afterwards. So, and even for a few days, so afterwards just to get their strength up. So um, I think he will possibly play, um, but I'm not expecting big things as far as fantasy production. Right. So if Josh Jacobs even does play temper our expectations and maybe even go a different, uh, different, a different way. If you can, if you have someone else that, uh, that you can replace him with, well, let's go to his teammate, Tyrell Williams. Um, Tyrell Williams obviously got hurt and we're, we're not sure what to expect from him. What, what's the injury that he has and how significant, uh, is, is that for his playing time? Williams is dealing with a hip pointer injury, which is basically a bruised uh, hip bone. So basically, if you right on the top of the hip, 
If you take a fall on that, you can get what's called a hip pointer injury. Um, it's very painful because there's a lot of uh, your abs basically kind of attached right at the top there, and it makes breathing hard. So a uh, very painful injury. He should play through the injury. It sounds like all the reports are saying, you know, that basically they expect him to be on the field. The problem is, is that he's going to get shattered by Xavier Rhodes this weekend. Um, I, I, I'm kind of against playing Williams this week. I don't think it's a good matchup combined with the fact that we don't know if he's going to play a full set of snaps like he normally would just because he's dealing with this hip pointer injury, which is very painful. So I'm not, I'm kind of staying away this week. Uh, if I can find somebody else to, to plug into his spot, um, I'm going to take that. Yeah, that's interesting. So we're talking about a player who's playing on the road for the Oakland Raiders in Minnesota against a tough defense and is dealing with an injury that sounds like it could be very painful and limiting. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. If I can find a better option, that sounds like a, uh, a, a for sure bench there. Um, let's go to the Eagles receivers. We got a couple of them that were banged up. We have Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, uh, both banged up this last game. Both didn't play very much when they were on the field. Um, they, they went out relatively early. Um, what's going on with these Eagles pass catchers? They were fantasy relevant through the first two weeks. So these guys are guys that a lot of people want to know uh, what can we expect from them moving forward and when can we expect them back? Yeah, sadly, this has kind of become a trend with these two guys come finding their way onto injury reports. But Deshaun Jackson's dealing with an abdominal strain. They've, the team has already come out and said that they don't expect him back for at least two weeks. So he's definitely missing this game. Uh, I, I expect at least two weeks. It sounds they don't didn't even sound very positive with the two weeks. So we could be looking at even longer, uh, three to four weeks possibly. Jeffrey is dealing with a calf strain, uh, so similar to to uh, Wilson that we talked about earlier, but uh, they are also expecting him to miss a couple of weeks with that calf strain. So it's pretty significant. Uh, don't expect either one of these guys to play this week. I also don't expect them to play next week either. Nelson Aguilar, uh, Zach Ertz seem to be the two guys that are going to benefit the most, but man, that, that uh, Eagles team can't seem to keep guys on the field. So I, I'm very concerned about uh, their pass catching core going forward. Wow, this is interesting. Yeah, they're going to be relying very heavily on uh, on Zach Ertz, uh, on, on Nelson Aguilar, and uh, and on some other guys like uh, JJ Arcega, Whiteside, and even Mac Holland. So that's that's interesting uh, moving forward, especially if they miss a couple weeks here. Um, we could be looking at some fantasy relevant players that are probably not rostered. So so that's that's some interesting news here. The last player I want to touch on on this segment here, Ethan is James Conner. Um, you know, we, we saw uh, kind of a knee injury there for him. How significant is that knee injury? And are we expecting him to miss any time or be limited? Or uh, what, what are we expecting for James Conner going forward? Conner's situation is uh, pretty textbook frustrating for me. Um, he's dealing with a knee strain. Conner actually came out and said he's good to go. Uh, always, always caution anyone that asked me for advice on you know well well the player said that they're good to go well the players always think they're good to go they don't really uh it's not that they don't know if they're good to go but ultimately they are only part of the decision making process on if they play or not so uh always take a player's word uh, the players want to play so they're always going to tell you that they're good to go for uh whatever but when they get out there you know somebody may notice hey you got a hitch in your stuff you're really uh putting yourself at risk for hurting yourself further. We're keeping you out this week. Um, so don't ever trust a player's self-assessment of their injury. Um, I think it there is a good chance that he plays this week, but I would not be surprised if he's kind of one of those game time decision. Ah, eh, let's, let's hold him back this week and really get him right. Even though he might be good to go, we might just have to hold him back. So um, don't be surprised if you're getting a, a notification a couple of minutes before game time that that an hour or two before game time that says that basically he's not playing. So going to have to have a backup plan. I think he will play. Um, and if he does play, you kind of have to start him just given the pedigree of what you paid to have him on your fantasy team. Wow. Very interesting. So something to monitor for us going forward, Ethan, thank you so much. That's going to wrap up uh, the first part here of our injury list. Uh, again, you can follow Ethan at E Turner FF underscore PT. We're going to throw it back over to you stompy. All right. Thank you, James and Ethan. 
Now we will get into our start sets for the week. Like I said, we are doing the start sets for the NFC. We've split them into two sections, one for the NFC that we're doing today, one for the AFC that will come out tomorrow, and I do not know who is doing that, but I am sure that we have two fantastic two fantastic super friends on that one, so give that a listen as well. We will start with the Raiders and Vikings. James, so why don't you go ahead and give us your uh, green light, yellow light, red light for your Raiders and Vikings. Yeah, so my green light in this one is going to be Stephon Diggs. And look, Stephon Diggs finally has a week where he's not on the injury report, so that's huge for him. Um, He's going against an Oakland defense that wide receiver ones have gotten by them for a good amount of fantasy points and had, had successful days. We saw Cortland Sutton in week one on Monday night. Um, have a really nice game against uh, the Oakland Raiders. And then obviously Kansas City, kind of all the receivers kind of had their way against him, um, you know, really in the first half there. So um, to me, the, you know, this is a nice get right game for Stephon Diggs. I'm starting him with confidence this week. I feel like this, uh, you know, he's kind of been the forgotten part of that offense. He and Thielen, you know, both have kind of been. But I think this is the game where he can get right in this matchup. I like Stephon Diggs here. Um, so I'm going to start him without uh, very much uh very many uh, worries. Um, my yellow light here is Darren Waller. And look, the Raiders are banged up, and Darren Waller is going to be one of the healthy guys that's uh, still on that offense. But this Vikings pass defense is really good. They haven't given up a ton of points to, to tight ends. Really, the week one touchdown to Jimmy Graham was basically it um, for the most part. They don't give up a whole lot of uh, uh, of fantasy points to, uh, to tight ends. Actually, I'm sorry, week two they played Jimmy Graham, and they shut him down. Um, and then week one, they had Austin Hooper, who uh, who got by him for a little bit, but really didn't do much. Uh, this defense is good against tight ends. Darren Waller is an excellent tight end, but I think he's going to be the focal point of the offense, especially if a guy like Tyrell Williams misses the game. So um, the Raiders are banged up. Uh, you might see Josh Jacobs miss. You might see um, you might see Tyrell Williams miss. So Darren Waller, to me, is the guy that uh, is going to be the focal point of this offense. So I'm not sure that I love him, but I think he's going to see enough targets to be useful. So I'd start him but I temper my expectations a little bit this week. My red light is Derek Carr. And look, this is a tough defense. I know, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's up against it here. We talked about some of the injuries to his supporting cast. He's going on the road to Minnesota to take on the Vikings, a good Vikings defense. This is a tough matchup for Carr. Uh, I, I don't mean to pile on the guy. Obviously, the Oakland Raiders haven't been great. And Derek Carr um, hasn't put up, you know, very, very good numbers in the first two weeks. But this is a tough spot for him. So if you have a better option in Superflex, again, you know, there's 24 quarterbacks for the most part that are starting. You know, sometimes you got to you got to reach a little bit. If you have a better option than Derek Carr, I would feel OK with benching him this week if you have that option. So, Stompy, what do you think here? So, by the way, I forgot to mention what green light, yellow light, red light means. Obviously, it's very simple. Green light means start with confidence. Yellow light means they are startable, but temper your expectations, as Jane mentioned with Darren Waller. Red light is bench them if you have better options. Um, Stefan Diggs, I mean, it's interesting because Stefan Diggs has only got nine targets through the first two weeks they just the Vikings just don't want to throw and luckily last week he was saved by a long touchdown but the passing offense for the Vikings has been very disappointing this year and at some point they need to get off uh, get it off the ground and I I think I I agree this is the week to do it because the Raiders secondary just isn't good Uh, you saw you saw Patrick Mahomes just absolutely tear them apart last week I am it's a grain of salt for me in week one because I am now realizing as a Broncos fan that the Broncos are not a good offense. Um, so I think the Broncos made the Raiders look a little bit better than than they were. Plus, they had Jonathan Abram, Abrams that week, and he is out with a torn rotator, rotator cuff for the rest, rest of the season. So I definitely agree with Diggs. Um, I, I kind of agree on Darren Waller. This Minnesota Vikings defense, the first two games have been kind of two-faced. So week one, they absolutely dominated. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, um, except for Austin Hooper, who caught nine of nine targets for 77 yards. And then last week, they were okay against the Packers, but uh, they they uh, stopped Jimmy Graham from putting up any points. So it's interesting to see what they will do. I definitely agree. I think Waller's volume alone will make him startable, but 
yeah, his ceiling might be capped just because of the defense. So I do agree with that. And then I'm 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 avoiding Derek Carr as much as possible if I can. It's a good. I mean, really, the Vikings are just a good defense in general. Um, and yeah, if you have better options, and I'm sure you'll say Daniel Jones, but if you have better options, <laughs> I would definitely be starting Derek Carr or or sitting Derek Carr this week as well. Awesome, man. Awesome. So what game do you got for us now? All right. So I'm going to look at the Dolphins and Cowboys here. This one's pretty oh, simple. Man, this um, this could be an abortion, huh? Yeah. Effectively start all of your Cowboys. That's not actually the case. I mean, you're going to start your studs, Dak, Zeke, uh, and Amari. I, I, very obviously, you're starting them. Um, the one that may be a little bit surprising is Jason Witten. Jason Witten only has eight targets this season, but he's got two touchdowns. And the reason he has two touchdowns, and he 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 seems to be one of or is Dak's favorite target in the red zone. Of his eight target or eight receptions, four or no, I believe it's eight targets. Sorry, uh, four have come in the red zone, and obviously he's caught two for touchdowns. And now that Michael Gallup is out as with, with the uh, meniscus, and, and as Ethan talked about, he'll be out for a couple weeks here. I, I think Witten takes on a bigger role in this offense, and the Dolphins are not good. Well, I mean, let's be real. They're not good in general on defense, but they're very not good uh, against tight ends. So I think Witten takes a larger role, gets more targets, probably gets a touchdown in this one. Um, so he's a, a green light for me. Uh, yellow lights, Randall Cobb, Devin Smith, um, I don't know what they will look like in this one. I, I feel like there won't be a ton of throwing on the Cowboys side just because they're, they're going to go up big and they're going to, and then they can run all over them with Zeke and, and uh, Tony Pollard. So Tony Pollard could be a yellow light here as well. I just had, didn't list him. Um, a surprising yellow light for Miami is Preston Williams. He has actually been the, <laughs> the one positive thing about the Miami Dolphins this season. I believe he has um, two touchdowns this season. Uh, and he's been the most targeted wide receiver or pass catcher in that offense. And I think he's going to continue to be that. And if you need to start him, I think he's flex worthy as a start. So he's definitely a yellow light for me. And then red lights are basically everybody else on the Dolphins. Josh Rosen, I, I mean, I feel bad for the guy. He's behind a terrible O-line. He's got a terrible offense. You just you can't start him unless you're desperate. Drake and Balazs are, are, have not been good this season. And then Devontae Parker, though, he started week one pretty well. I just, I'm never going to trust Devontae Parker again. What do you think there, James? Yeah, it's hard for me not to agree with all this. I mean, obviously, green lights, anybody on Dallas that has an established role is a green light in this one. Miami has proven defensively that they can't stop a cold. They can't stop anyone. Um, so they're, they're, they're bad. I mean, that, that defense is just bad. So pretty much start anyone who has an established role. And I think the yellow lights, you, you nailed it. We don't know what to expect out of Cobb and Devin Smith and guys like that. So uh, it's kind of a wait and see approach with those guys. If you absolutely have to start them, you can, but temper your expectations. I like that. Preston Williams is really interesting because he and Josh Rosen had some nice chemistry in the preseason uh, that they kind of established and they, they showed off a little bit. So I am interested to see what Preston Williams can do here. All right, James, let's go on to your next game, the Panthers at the Cardinals. Panthers at the Cardinals. My green light for this one is David Johnson. And look, I know David Johnson is is kind of a guy that you drafted to be a stud, but he really hasn't been that type of bell cow back that you can rely on week in and week out. To me, David Johnson, this is the play this week. I mean, Carolina, we've seen them against running backs. Week one, we saw what Christian McCaffrey did against them. Um, or I'm sorry, we saw what uh, – um, uh, I'm sorry uh, – Todd Gurley did against them in week one, and Malcolm Brown had those two vulture touchdowns. Um, the running game has been prevalent against them. Uh, week two, uh, you know, Thursday night, we saw Peyton Barber running up and down the field on him. So I feel like if you could see those two backs, especially a guy like Peyton Barber do it, I think David Johnson, this could be a get-right game for him. If Arizona really wants to to establish the run early, I think this is the team to do it against. They're at home against the Carolina team that hasn't shown that they can stop the run. I think David Johnson can be a key key uh, contributor here and we also saw Christian McCaffrey get used or I'm sorry Todd Gurley again get used in the passing game a little bit um, in uh, in the first matchup and I, I think we could see that again um, you know this week uh, with David Johnson so David Johnson's my green light in this one I would start him with confidence my yellow light is Greg Olson and what Greg Olson um, he's been you know pretty usable you know especially uh, week two last week he really showed against Tampa Bay that uh, he's still got something left. He had over 100 receiving yards. 
on multiple receptions. He looked good, you know, and he looked like he was Cam's safety valve. Well, we're expecting Cam to miss this game as of right now, and so it's probably going to be uh, it's probably going to be Allen that's going to be starting. And with Kyle Allen, I don't know that that uh, relationship has been established yet. I think the tight end can be a nice safety valve, so I expect him to get some volume, but I just don't think it's going to be anywhere near the amount of fantasy points that he scored last week. So I would temper my expectations. Um, I think he's startable if you have to use him at the tight end position, but I temper my expectations there a little bit. And my red white is Kyle Allen. I obviously stepping in for Cam Newton. Um, this is a tough situation. You know, he's coming in trying to fill those shoes. He's going against a team in Arizona that, you know, defensively uh, can be had, you know, through the air. I just think this is, again, this is a tough spot for him. He's He's got some weapons here. Uh, but he's going on the road. It's his first start. Um, you know, I, I just feel like this this is a tough spot for him. If you can, if you have somebody else that you can rely on, and again, with the amount of injuries that we've had, you might not have anybody else that you can start. But if you have another option, I think uh, I think benching Allen might be uh, a smart play here. Um, I wouldn't be expecting too much from him uh, this week in his first start here on the road. So, uh, Stompy, where where did I go wrong here, or uh, or did I did I swing straight? Uh, the one I disagree on is Greg Olson, and the only reason is the Cardinals have been atrocious, atrocious against tight ends. I, Hawkinson had a 100-yard game and a touchdown in week one. Andrews had a 100-yard game and a touchdown in week two. They have been bad. And the thing is, with these young QBs, they generally try and get the ball out of their hands relatively quickly. I don't think you're going to see much downfield passing with Kyle Allen, despite the fact that, like you said, they can be that secondary is especially weak because they don't have their two starting cornerbacks for at least six weeks. So I honestly, I actually think Greg Olson's a green light here because I do think while, while he is not Mark Andrews, I do think, 80 yards and a touchdown is very much in the realm of possibility. So I think his volume will be there because of Kyle Allen. And I also think that um, because of the, because it's the Cardinals, they Olsen will have a fantastic game. But other than that, I, I agree here. Yeah, very nice. And I, I could see that. I think that's in his range of outcomes is something like eight, eight grabs for 80 yards and a score. And if he hits that, then obviously he, he should be a green light. I also think, though, if Arizona's smart, if, if I, at least what I would do, my game plan against a quarterback like this would be to load the line of scrimmage, come with pressure, and make sure that I'm covering the first five to seven yards. Make him beat me down the field is kind of the, the way I would approach this. But we'll see what Arizona does. Obviously, their personnel is going to establish kind of how they approach this. And I don't know that their personnel is good enough to be able to do anything like that, you know, press coverage and and uh, and that sort of thing um, and make him hold the ball a little longer and beat you down the field. So we'll kind of see how that how that works out. I could see that as being a possibility for Greg Olson, though. Um, so I think I think you made a pretty good point there. He's a yellow white for me, but he definitely is closer to a green light than a red. So I'll, I'll give you that. Um, so what's your next game, Stompy? Where are you going to go here? So I have the Lions at the Eagles. Um, I actually think this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game, so I think there's going to be a ton of green lights here. Stafford and Galladay, I really like it. That stack, they have looked good um, thus far this season, and it's nice because Detroit is throwing the ball, which I don't think anybody really expected from them. Um, Marvin Jones as well. That Seattle, or that that Philadelphia secondary has been bad. They have given up, I believe, the most fantasy points to wide receivers in the first two games. Um, and so Galladay and Jones are in for big games here as well. Plus they are good against the or Philadelphia is good against the run. So they, the lions may be forced to throw a little bit as well. Um, I think Wentz is a green light. Um, you're, you're, you're not sitting somebody like Carson Wentz and I think he'll be fine. I mean, he was fine last week, even with all of the injuries. So, uh, I, I think he'll be fine this week. And I really like Nelson Aguilar this week. He had 11 targets last week when everybody went down over 100 yards and a touchdown. We've seen Wentz and Aguilar work together uh, in 2017 when they both had big seasons. And I think that continues into week two, especially because next people up for um, the wide receivers are uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, uh, who is a yellow light for me. Um, he played, I believe, 74 of 80 snaps last week. Didn't get a lot of targets, uh, could fill into that Alshon role, but I wouldn't expect that. He could get some work in the red zone, uh, could get a touchdown here. Um, 
but don't expect Alshon type numbers from JJ uh, Arcega Whiteside in his first game as a, a starter. Um, Zach Ertz, the Lions have actually been very good against tight ends thus far this season. Now they haven't faced great tight ends by any means. Um, but at the same time, they have allowed, I believe, the f- they have allowed the fewest fantasy points to tight ends. So while you're not sitting Ertz, it's just one of those he- he'll get the volume, but uh, I would temper expectations a little bit here because of that defense. Carry uh, on Johnson, like I said, the uh, the Eagles are good against the run. They've been very good against the run. That is their strength. And Carry on just has not gotten the volume that a lot of us expected. Hopefully, this uh, C.J. Anderson cut will allow Carrion to get more volume, but we'll see. Regardless, he does not have a great matchup. TJ Hawkinson, Philadelphia is actually relatively good against tight ends as well. So I, I think he will be fine, but temper expectations with Hawkinson as well. And then red lights, Matt Collins. It's nice to see a Matt Collins sight, or it's there's a Matt Collins sighting last week, and that was awesome to see, but I don't think you can really expect him to be Dejon Jackson for uh, the Eagles, and then I'm sitting Sanders and Sproles just because I have no idea what this Philadelphia backfield's doing. Sanders hasn't looked good. Sproles is getting a lot of those third down touches, the the um, receptions. So I'm avoiding this backfield this week just because I don't. I have no idea. I mean, it's it's every year now with Doug Peterson. We just have no idea what that backfield is going to be. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think avoid, avoid, avoid right now with that backfield is is smart. Um, I really expected Miles Sanders to kind of break out this last game, and it, it didn't happen. Usage is just uh, – it, it's hard to know what Philly's going to do. I mean, they're they're second to maybe New England only as far as how they use their running backs and uh, the unpredictability of it. I, I think I agree with everything you said except for Matt Collins. I think I would have him a little bit more of a yellow light really – to me, it's just because I do feel like I, I agree with you. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think that they can support, you know, three receivers in this passing game. And I think Matt Collins is probably the third there. Um, JJ Arcega Whiteside, we're going to see kind of how much they trust him right away and what his role is going to be. I think he's going to be really good. I just don't know if that's going to start right away here. Um, so I guess we'll see. Um, I, I think Matt Collins, though, has earned the coach's trust. He's been there for a little bit and they're finally starting to use him a little bit with the injuries they had. So um, I think I, I think I'd be okay with starting on my temper, my expectations. I don't expect a big game, but I think if I needed to use somebody in the slot, I, I'd be okay using him. So that would be my only point of contention. Um, however, everything else I pretty much agree with here. Perfect. So now we are on to the Steelers at the 49ers. Yeah. The, uh, check this out. The 0-2 Steelers are going to San Francisco to take on the 2-0 49ers. How That's weird. Wild. How weird is this, man? Ah, man, unreal. So my green light is George Kittle. And look, George Kittle hasn't been, you know, a top tight end that you drafted him to be so far this season. Um, But I say this week you can start him with confidence. We look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and obviously week one they played New England. New England just doesn't have a tight end, not until week five when Ben Watson comes back. So it's hard to know kind of, you know, how they were against tight ends. But week two we saw against Seattle, Will Disley really – looked good. Um, he put up some numbers against those guys. If Will Disley can do it, I feel very confident that George Kittle can do it as well. Um, I like George Kittle's matchup here. I think this is a get-right game for him, too, uh, you know, with the 49ers. His target share has been up there. He just hasn't found the end zone, and he hasn't had a lot of those big plays that he had last year. I think this is this is the game where he can find those against his Pittsburgh defense. So he's my green light. My yellow light is James Washington. And look, I think he's startable this game because I really like the chemistry that he has with uh, Mason Rudolph. Look, they, they played college ball together. They were on the second team together. Um, they, you know, in the preseason, they looked great hooking up together. Um, so I, I, I like the, the established connection that they have. I know that a lot of people are going to tell me, well, you know, look at Juju Smith-Schuster and what he did, uh, you know, when, when Mason Rudolph came in. And I think both those guys are going to be good. Um, but to me, a yellow-white is is James Washington. He's a guy that, you know, if I have to start him, I'll feel okay with it. I'm, I'm not going to expect huge numbers. Um, but I, I think he's going to be a startable wide receiver this week. So I would I would put him as my yellow-white. My red-white is uh, Matt Barreta, and I really like Matt Barreta an awful lot, but Pittsburgh has been really good against opposing running backs. Week one, um, you know, Sony Michelle didn't get anything going on the ground. Um, I think he, he averaged like one yard per carry or something. It was like 
what was it, 14 carries or 14 yards on 14 carries or 18 or something like that. I mean, it was, it was not good. Um, you know, and then, uh, you go to week two in Seattle and Chris Carson, they held him pretty much in check. He, uh, fumbled a couple of times or shot Penny had to come in to kind of ice that game. Um, so I think they, they've been pretty good against the running game. And so to me, Matt Bereda is a guy who really broke out last week. Uh, they had a few backs that did, um, with Bereda, with Mozart and, uh, with Jeff Wilson. Uh, they, they all had really good games last week. This week, I think they're going to find it tougher sledding against this Pittsburgh defense. I think the speed in that front seven really makes it hard to run on them. So I'm going to to say that Matt Breda is a guy that if I if I have someone that I can sit him for, I'm probably going to do it. Um, Stompy, am I way off here? That Breda sit is interesting. Um, he's just been so efficient this year already, and it's going to be tough for people to sit Breda. I, I like the boldness of it. Um, and and really, you have to sit the guys that are um, that are going to be facing a bad or good defenses. And and I do I actually don't mind this this sit. I would I I think I would probably put him in as a yellow, but I do like the boldness of putting him as a red. Everything else, I agree. I think James Washington uh, is definitely in for uh, some numbers this week because because of that Mason Rudolph connection. And then yeah, George Kittle at some point they need to get him off of off of the ground here he is he's had the same usage but his yard per target has has been like down like three three yards per target or something like that so they definitely need to get him going um and like you said the Steelers are definitely prone to giving up uh big games to tight ends awesome man yeah absolutely so stomp what do you got for us next here yeah, uh, so we got the Giants at the Buccaneers. Uh, Ooh, it should be a barn burner, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. So, I mean, obviously Giants' defense has been not good at all this season. So a lot of uh, – you should be starting a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though they have not looked good at all either. So I'm giving Winston, Evans, and Godwin the green light this week. I know Evans has been a disappointment, but I believe he is like top 10, top 15 in air yards. So he's getting targets downfield. He's just not converting them. And I think that has a bit to do with the defenses they've faced. It also has a bit to do with uh, Jameis Winston. So I think this is the game where Winston kind of gets gets off of his ass and actually does something i know we here at or some or most of us here at superflex super show do not think winston's a good quarterback and i think a lot of people are starting to see that this year especially under uh, bruce Arians. so but this week i think you're safe to start winston you're safe to start evans and godwin obviously you're starting uh, saquon um and you're starting evan ingram evan ingram is basically the only pass catcher left uh we heard uh, we heard Ethan talk about. Um, oh my God! I just lost his name. Sterling Shepard. Yep. <laughs> we heard Ethan talk about Sterling Shepard uh, and his migraines and, and concussions, and he may not play this game. And Cody Latimer went out with a, a hip injury, I believe, and we still don't have Golden Tate. And now it's Benny Fowler, Fowler as your wide receiver one. So basically, it's Ingram and Saquon. For, for Daniel Jones. So I think Ingram's going to get a ton of targets. Uh, the, the the Tampa Bay Bucks are prone to giving up game or uh, yards to tight ends, and Ingram is one of the best in the game right now. So definitely a start there. Yellow light. I'm, I'm giving Daniel Jones a yellow light. I'm saying temper expectations. He looked good in the preseason, um, obviously against second, third stringers, but regardless, he still looked good. He... I, I, there are some red lights here that we don't like Kyle Allen, uh, Derek Carr. And if Kyle, if Daniel Jones is, is your QB two on your team or, or is your, maybe, maybe he's one of your third QB on your team and you have, let's say Derek Carr, I would be starting Daniel Jones over Derek Carr. I think you will be okay with Daniel Jones this week. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe not a spectacular game, but I think a startable game, at least a QB two game. And then red light, uh, Peyton Barber and, and Ronald Jones, I, I'm not touching that backfield anymore. I just, again, don't know what's going on there. Ronald Jones was fantastic in week one and then barely got any touches in week two. Barber was actually pretty good in week two, did not look great in week one. So I'm not really touching this. Um, plus, like I said, the Giants are prone to, or, or that secondary looks bad and they will be, give up big games to those wide receivers. So I'm voting the running backs uh, for Tampa Bay this week. 
Yeah, that's another situation I just want to avoid altogether, right? I mean, that running back situation, there's no clarity. Week to week, it seems like that's going to change on who's going to get the majority of the work. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd wash my hands of that, too. I, I like Daniel Jones' as yellow light um, as much as I, I love Daniel Jones. Obviously, with this supporting cast, there's going to be some limitations this week. Um, so I think yellow light is fair. I think he's a step up from Eli. So if you were using Eli as a yellow light this week, I think you'd be fine with doing so with Daniel Jones. Um, and your green lights, I have no problem with. But I do have one question for you, Stompy. And the question is, I have been, I've been hearing this all week, ever since last Thursday. What do you do with O.J. Howard? Are you touching O.J. Howard at this point? Is this the matchup against the Giants with their struggles against tight ends that you can, you can play them? I can't believe I forgot O.J. You know, like this, this is starting to become the game where the Tampa Bay Bucks need to do something with that offense. And I think, I honestly, I don't know. I think he's probably yellow light at this point. If you, if you drafted him, you pro, unless you have like somebody like Darren Waller, you probably don't have a better option. So you're starting him. And I'm cautiously optimistic that they get him off, they get him going this week because uh, the Giants, uh, that like I said, against any passing, they are not good. So this is the week if they're going to do it. Um, I think this week will tell us a lot about this team and and where they're going. So I think you have to start him. I'm cautiously optimistic. Temper expectations, um, and and we'll see from here. Nice. Yeah, I I. I... I agree with that take. I think I think that's that's the only way that you can do it. And if you have OJ Howard, you probably drafted him pretty high, right? Or you paid a pretty price to acquire him um, because you know you were expecting him to be right. a top five or six tight end. So it's it's tough to think that you might have a better option uh, at this point. But uh, so so Stompy, I'm going to go ahead if you don't mind with with the last game that I have to break down here, and that is the New Orleans Saints going to Seattle to take on the Seattle Seahawks. This should be a fun game. Um, there's there's a lot that we want to see kind of on the New Orleans side, how they're going to use the quarterbacks now that Drew Brees isn't there, how that offense is going to look without Drew Brees. We haven't seen that in a while, especially with the guys that are there now. So um, my green light right away, I'm going to go to the Seattle side, and I like Chris Carson. Um, Seattle's at home. Uh, they, they play really well at home, especially defensively. I could see Chris Carson being involved. He's going to reestablish himself after those two fumbles last week, which were uncharacteristic of him. I see him reestablishing himself in the running game. I think Seattle is in this game and in the driver's seat for most of the game. So I think running the clock is going to be key. Chris Carson should see a heavy workload. New Orleans hasn't been great against the run. Um, so I think, you know, we saw Houston week one kind of have their way a little bit with them. And then the Rams last week, um, you know, really didn't flutter too much when they handed the ball off. So I think Chris Carson's in for a big week and a heavy workload. I like Chris Carson this week and a bounce back game for him after kind of a little bit of a disappointing week last week. Um, my yellow white is Michael Thomas. And really with Michael Thomas, it's, man, we, we got to see, you know, we got to see, we don't know what to expect from this offense. We don't know what to expect from Teddy Bridgewater. We don't even know for sure. Um, you know, what to expect from, you know, I mean, I, I, we don't even, we don't even know for sure. Bridgewater is actually the starter. That's the scary. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah. That is how crazy is that, that we don't even know, you know, the usage for Teddy Bridgewater. Like we don't know what, what percentage Teddy Bridgewater is going to see of the snaps and how he's going to be used. So uh, it's really interesting. And I think that all affects Michael Thomas. The more Teddy Bridgewater is on the field, the better it is for Michael Thomas. Um, and, and, you know, the, the less he is obviously if Taysom Hill's out there, I, I think that uh, that spells doom for Michael Thomas and his fantasy outlook. Um, and my red light for this one is Latavius Murray. And really it's because AC Seattle's been pretty decent against the run, but mainly it's because with the Drew Brees injury, when you look at who it affects negatively the most, I think Latavius Murray is one of those guys that really does affect. Um, I could see less red zone opportunities for this offense, which means less touchdown upside for Latavius Murray. Um, I could see Alvin Kamara having to play a higher percentage of snaps, being that, you know, he's he's now one of the main playmakers. They got to get the ball in his hand. If they struggle to do that with Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara is going to be the guy that they can they can rely on. Hey, we can get it to his, you know, to this guy. We can hand it off to him. Um, so I think Alvin Kamara may see an increase in in snap percentage and uh that could spell doom for Latavius Murray. Um, and in this game, I don't know that the uh, the Saints are going to be in this one. I mean, no offense to to New Orleans, but I mean, a new quarterback starting, they're going on the road to Seattle, never an easy place to play. If they're out of this game or if this game is, you know, 
they got a pass to kind of get back into it later in the game, that's going to hurt Latavius Murray's usage. So to me, he's a guy that I, I'd, uh, I'd put a red white on this, this week and maybe even more weeks moving forward with this Drew Brees injury. So Stompy, let me know, man. How, how did I do? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I, I do think, I mean, I think all of us or most of us think that Chris Carson is the running back to own here, but he did have those two fumbles last week. Um, so it was a little rough sledding for him. We'll see, we'll see how, if that changes the the dynamic in that backfield, because Rashad Penny did have a good uh, touchdown run there. I, I don't think ultimately Chris Carson will lose his job. It'll just be interesting to see what it is. But I, I agree here. The Saints – were one of the best running defenses last year, and all of a sudden they aren't good. They allowed Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde. Yes, I, I am a known Carlos Hyde hater, but Carlos Hyde to run all over them in week one. And like you said, Malcolm Brown and Todd Gurley didn't really have any trouble last week. So that run defense may be not as scary as it once was, and I agree with Chris. I mean, Chris Carson's a dynamic player. He's involved in the pass game, so I'm not too worried about him going forward. Yo, I, I think you have to throw Alvin Kamara in here too, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, because it, I I do think it's Teddy Bridgewater. I do think that Taysom Hill will get some snaps, but you're not expecting Taysom Hill to drop back 30 times. And I hope they realize after last week they need to get the ball into their playmakers' hands. They need to get the ball into Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara's hands. But it's Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I don't know what that means for these these pass catchers, these skill players. And I, I absolutely agree with Latavius Murray. He wasn't doing fantastic anyway. And then now that big passing threat is gone. And I just I, I think they I, I well and assuming rational coaching, I hope that they, the the Saints realize again that they need to get the ball into Kamara's hands as much as possible, meaning that his snap share will get up and his touches will go up. So I, I, I like this list. All right, so for my final game, I get to talk about the Broncos. I'm actually going to be at this game, and I'm, I don't know if I'm excited about it, but it's Broncos at Packers. Uh, so I get to go to Lambeau Field, which I'm excited about, but then I think I'm, I think the uh, Broncos are going to get stomped. But regardless, uh, green lights for this game, obviously Aaron Rodgers uh, and Devontae Adams. You can't really sit those two uh, regardless of how you actually feel about Aaron Rodgers, James. Uh, you cannot sit Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Um, Devontae Adams, one of the top two or three wide receivers in the game. He's going to get a ton of volume. Plus, you can't really trust any of the secondary and tertiary options in this passing game right now. So those two, you're obviously starting yellow lights. I mean, Joe Flacco is probably startable. He's gotten back-to-back 15-point games. Like, he's giving you QB2 numbers, which is all you can really expect from Joe Flacco. Uh, Cortland Sutton has actually looked decent this year. He, he looks like he's taken a step forward. He's very involved in the pass game for the Broncos. Emmanuel Sanders is an alien, is a robot, is whatever you want to call him. That dude came back from seven months, uh, seven months after an Achilles injury and is still putting up numbers. He is the wide receiver one for the Broncos. Uh, he, he's getting volume all over the place. He caught a fantastic touchdown last week. And I mean, I don't, I don't think you can sit him, but I think you got to uh, temper expectations a little bit. This Green Bay Packers defense is actually, better than they have been in the past decade, especially with those two young cornerbacks. Um, Aaron Jones, this drives me absolutely bananas. Uh, Matt LaFleur came out this week and said they want to even up the touches for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, which James, I, I, I might let James go on a little diatribe here about Jones, but it's just, it's very obvious that Aaron Jones is the best uh, running back on this team is the most, um, Dynamic is the most skilled running back on this team, yet for some reason they want to keep giving – they don't want to trust Jones with the touches or they want to keep Jamal – or keep giving Jamal uh, Williams those touches. And I will let – I'll let you go on that little diatribe here in a second. Uh, Jimmy Graham, the Broncos have not been historically good against tight ends, but they actually – I mean, Darren Waller had a good game against them in week one. Nobody had a good game last week, but that was because of Mitchell Trubisky and how terrible he is. So Jimmy Graham could have a bounce back game after putting up a goose egg last week. Uh, so I would I would temper expectations, but if you have to start him, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and then Lindsey and Freeman both were heavily involved in the pass game last week. So Philip Lindsey and Royce Freeman. So they have capped upsides, but they actually could be startable as flexes this week. 
against the uh, Packers. And then red lights for me, Noah Font, uh, or Noah Fant, sorry. Um, I just, uh, I think he's going to be fine, but this, I just don't trust anything about this Broncos offense right now. They don't look great. They haven't really gotten Noah Fant involved, and I think they really need to if they're going to succeed. But um, he's a, he's a sit this week. Um, Mark Marquez Valdez Scantling again. You cannot tr- really trust any of these tertiary um, pieces or or parts of the pass game for the Packers. Um, he has been involved a little bit, but I mean not enough to be warrant a start this week unless you're absolutely desperate with from the injuries and the Geronimo Allison who caught a touchdown last week, but he faces the best or arguably the best slot corner in the league and Chris Harris. And I believe Bryce Callahan is coming back, who's also a fantastic slot corner. So don't really love any of the pass catchers except for Adams for the Packers. So James, why don't you go on your little diatribe about Aaron Jones here? Yeah. First off, I, I want to tell you, I, I agree with every single one of these. Um, I, I think this, I think you nailed this game. Um, so kudos to you. Um, so yeah, my Aaron Jones, I, I look, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Everybody that's listening, please, please listen to this. Just just listen to what I have to say. Spread the word. Let everyone know, okay? Because apparently nobody's listening to me. Aaron Jones is the most talented running back in Green Bay. There is no doubting that. If you have two eyes and you've watched the Packers play, you know that Aaron Jones is better than Jamal Williams or any other back that they have on the roster, okay? I am not saying that Aaron Jones should not be seeing the bell cow sheriff carries. What I am saying is the reason why he is not getting them is higher ups in the Green Bay higher hierarchy are are not sold on Aaron Jones. They do not trust Aaron Jones with off the field decisions. They are not going to trust him with this backfield because they don't think he's going to be available 16 games. They expect suspensions. They expect things like that to happen. Look, I am not making this up. I don't have multiple sources for any other teams. However, I do know a couple of people who are reporters in Green Bay and who have told me that this is the case. Both of them have confirmed this to me. So listen, this is a real thing. The reason why Aaron Jones isn't getting the bell cow carries isn't because of coaching staffs. It isn't because the coaches are all dumb. No matter how many coaches they seem to bring in, it seems to be the same story. And it's because of the higher ups in Green Bay. They do not trust Aaron Jones and he will not get the lion's share of carries. He'll never be that bell cow back until he wins over that trust or he ends up on a new team. So I'm telling you right now, this is the case. This is the scenario that's going on there. Whether you like it or not, whether it's, it's it should be, you know, whether this should be or not, this is the reason why Aaron Jones, regardless of the coaches there, is is not going to get the lion's share of carries until he wins them over. And it hasn't happened yet. And the same concerns are there now than they were two years ago with Aaron Jones. So I'm uh, just letting people know this is the, this is the case. And if you want to ignore it and you want to call the, uh, you know, a new coach that just comes in that has the same issue, if you want to call him dumb, go for it. But I'm just telling you, this is out of their hands. It's, it goes above their pay grade. So uh, that's, that's all I got. That's all I wanted to share. That there, was you, it. there you go. James, the brain is dialed into the green Bay Packers, even though he's a uh, Cleveland Browns fan. I am unfortunately living here in Wisconsin. I know um, many more people that have ties to Green Bay than uh, than I would uh, than I would like. I, I would I would much rather have them for Cleveland, but uh, I unfortunately don't. So uh, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods this weekend. Um, I'm going to be actually in Green Bay, like I said, and watching the Broncos lose. But I'm going to be rep- representing the Orange and Blue. So whatever. Very nice, very nice. We're going to catch up for a beer, Stompy. All right. <laughs> so that'll be it for us this week. Those were your NFC starts. Again, tune in tomorrow for your AFC starts. Um, thank you to uh, Ethan Turner. You can follow Ethan Turner at ETurnerFF underscore PT on Twitter. He is always updating on injuries, and he's been fantastic for us in getting us injury news. Um, also, follow James the Brain at uh underscore james the brain on twitter follow me at ff stompy follow the podcast at Superflex show tag all of us in your twitter polls and your start sick questions and whatever you have um, we are more than willing to more than willing to answer them we're more than willing to put them on the show we have a live show on wednesdays that we would love to answer those for you 
uh, and follow the podcast on whatever you listen to your podcasts on uh, subscribe rate review it helps us get uh, more listeners uh, and we, remember we are doing five days a week now. so we're doing waivers we're doing a normal three-man episode uh, doing that live show on wednesdays doing our two start sits involved and including injuries so trying to get you all of the information you need to, to uh, set your start so give us a follow uh, give us a subscription and hopefully we will see you next week. Talk to you later.